Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Expansion is the nothing personal word of the day for Tuesday, May 10th, 2022. Expansion. That's a bad word if you're talking about your waste. It's a really good word if you're talking about revenue. Expansion is a concept that businesses use. It's actually the most important decision you have to make when you run your own company is the decision when to expand. It's pretty easy to know when to contract that's when you have a store or a franchise that's losing money. You can't figure out how to fund your operation anymore. And you say, that's it. We've got to contract. It's pretty easy to know, right, when your pants don't fit anymore, right? Contraction. But let's talk about when it goes the other way. How long do you hold on when your pants are a little tight and you have to suck it in to close them? You've done that trying to get it through. There's no way I'm going up a waist size. I'm not doing it. Well, your waist is expanding. No, it's not. I can fit it in and I won't eat or I'll wear spanks or flanks or pranks or zanks or zonks or whatever it's called. <laughs> is it not good when on your social media feed, you get a video of a man pulling up a girdle and putting in what I would describe Prince Fielder into like a piece of clothing that all of a sudden makes you look like Juan Gonzalez after a cycle. Anyway, so expansion, you hold on, you sort of see, is it time? Or do I have to? What's the benefit? We got to study it. Major League Baseball has been studying expansion forever. And the way they study expansion is fascinating because they claim they do it from a business standpoint and they're doing it very analytically and they hire people and companies to do economic viability reports of different markets. They talk to their TV partners. They think about what the TV deal would be. Then they look to see what season ticket holder revenue would be and then the corporate base and they put it in an algorithm and bing, bang, boom, you've got yourself an expansion city. And then they go back behind closed doors and they say that we're not going to do expansion until every stadium is taken care of. And it used to be 
that in Major League Baseball, there were a few teams that had to get ballparks. The Marlins were one, the Rays were one, the A's were one. The Marlins got one, that leaves the Rays and the A's. But meanwhile, while the Rays and the A's were still trying to get one, the Diamondbacks are now thinking of trying to get a new one. The Orioles, believe it or not, Camden's getting old. What are they going to do about that? Down in Cleveland, up in Cleveland, side in Cleveland, they're talking about ballparks. We're now up to the next round. Tampa and Oakland just missed an entire round of ballparks. The Marlins were the last of the new ballparks, the very last. And now there's a new cycle going. And baseball always says, if we're in the middle of a cycle, we got to take care of the teams right now before they relocate in their current markets. And then we'll worry about expansion. But baseball is walking a very fine line. And the fine line they walk is paying attention to their own lane, but always glancing left. Are you watching on YouTube? Nothing personal with David Sampson? I'm doing this. This is MLB. They're focused. They've got the blinders on, but they put a little hole just in the side for the peripheral vision. And the hole is meant to look at, ooh, NFL. Ooh, NBA. All right. We're we're MLB. We're good. We're good. Ooh, God. There's, there goes, I'm only seeing their ass. They're passing us. Do you know how jealous MLB always was with all of the London activation with the NFL? We got to get to London. Come on, Yankees. Come on, Red Sox. Please, Randy and Hal, won't you go to London? And then they go to London, and then nothing. And MLB said, we got to do something. We got to get more money out of London. We got to get more money out of promoters. We got to get more broadcast money. We got to figure out how to get a stronghold there because let's face it, London, this is what we'd say to ourselves in a total delusional state with confirmation bias left and right, living in the middle of an echo chamber as though there's nothing else around. Ah, the NFL doesn't have London. We can get this. And, you know, of course, soccer, that matters. But we got a few guys in here who own the soccer teams so they can really help us with our entree into London. Then we're going to get there. We're going to get teams. We can figure out the travel you don't go there for a three-game series maybe we have two teams in London maybe you play the entire season series like 10 games at once and then come back and the union says well that's five time zones just to get back to the east coast so what are we gonna do fly to London play three fly back no way and we're gonna need a better plane so all this is going on Meanwhile, the NFL's cutting deals. They're playing regular season games in London. They've spread it out across all different teams with the Packers going this year. By the way, nothing personal is going to London for the Packers-Giants game in October. You bet your bippy we are. Uh, Coca, do you know what a bippy is? Someone tweeted at us when I said bet your bippy and said, what's a bippy? And I said, I don't know. I just heard that expression once, and it just sounded like a beautiful alliteration. Bet your bippy. We're going to be there. Not you, Coca. You were just in London. Where are you going this year? Tweeted you're going to Vegas. All right, let me get back to expansion. So Major League Baseball says, we have an idea. We're going to do a new collective bargain agreement, and in this collective bargain agreement, we are going to guarantee that we are playing games in Europe. And the reason it's so important to put it in the collective bargain agreement is when it's not in there, you have to go to the players each year outside the CBA and say, hey, do you want to play internationally? And the players, of course, say, no, why would I want to do that? And we would say, because it's great exposure for you and for our brand. And they said, great, why do I want to do that? And we'd say, because the more revenue we have, the more likely it is that payrolls will go up. 
well, I'm on a guaranteed deal. I don't see that. And it's not like you're going to do anything in the middle of a CBA, like increase the minimum or do something that gives us more money. So if we're going to go internationally, we're just going to need a big stipend to do it. And then we'd say, well, how much money are you looking for? And they'd say, well, 10 times our meal money plus another 30 or 40 grand a player. And we'd say, well, that math doesn't add up. And they'd say, then we don't have to go. And we'd say, but please... And they'd say, it's not in the CBA. And we'd say, we're going to put it in the CBA. And they'd say, all right, then in return, we're going to ask for a chef in the kitchen. So lo and behold, the CBA comes out this year, and there it is. And MLB didn't really talk much about it until yesterday when Rob Manford decided to give an interview and acknowledged that there will be regular season games in London next year, the year after, and then two years after that. For those of you counting at home, or even if you're alone for the moment, that's 2023, 2024, 2026. Three years out of the next four in London. That leaves 2025. Bienvenue à Paris. It's funny, the Dodgers are volunteering to play in Paris. I think the Dodgers forgot that they're not owned by the McCourts, who, by the way, I think I ran into in a restaurant. Frank, were you at a restaurant in Washington, D.C. right before the correspondence dinner? Because you looked at me, not exactly the way the umpire looks at Baumgartner, but you looked at me enough, and I looked at you enough. We didn't hold hands, but I really thought that was you, Frank. And I know that your ex-wife, Jamie, used to be the ambassador to Paris. But why would that lead the Dodgers to go to Paris when the McCourts are not involved other than through the parking lots. Hmm. I guess that's just a quinkadink. So you've got the Dodgers looking at Paris in 25. You've got baseball going to send teams to London 23, 24, 26. But why are they doing that? Expansion. It's the same reason the NFL is sending different teams to London every year because they are biding their time until putting a permanent franchise in London. Who is going to be the first league to expand to Europe? Right now, MLB offices, they want to believe they're going to be the first, just like they wish they had been the first in Vegas. They always try to be the first, but the problem with baseball is they're much better at being second or third than they are in being first. Because if you're first and you're wrong, you get chopped. If you're third and you're right, you just get a smaller cut of the pie. Your expansion is a bit smaller. Your revenue increase is a bit smaller. But the benefit of being first in a market should be very clear, and it's something that we've talked about over and over again. If you are going to take a chance, Europe would be a unique opportunity to do so. And it's not because there's a lot of baseball that's played in Europe, just like there's not a lot of American football that's played in Europe. The reason why you are looking for other markets is the same reason, get ready for this, why F1 just left Miami. Huh? Stay with me. What do you know about F1? Before Netflix Drive to Survive, did you watch? You watched a few races, you were into it. You were one of the few people in America who was into it. The revenue was fine for F1, nothing great, didn't approach NBA or MLB or NFL. And then all of a sudden, F1 decided we have an idea. Let's give access to documentary filmmakers. Let's get film crews to film everything. 
Let's create personalities. Let's create drama. And let's just see what happens. So Drive to Survive starts on Netflix. Season one, season two, gets momentum. People are talking about it. People are watching it. There's a Grand Prix race in Austin. It's nice if you can get there on the one-lane road. But then all of a sudden, regular people who were not fans of F1 became obsessed. Yada, yada, yada. They have a 10-year deal in Miami. They're going to Vegas for multiple years starting next November. Their revenues have quadrupled. The money surrounding F1 is well into the billions. Why? Because they expanded into the United States and they got interest from the United States that was all based on relatability. The relatability doesn't come from the diversity of the drivers. It doesn't come from, oh, I wish I could be that person or I wish I could own a Ferrari or Mercedes or wow, what a great personality is Gunther and Toto and Christian Horner. Is that a Spice Girl? Is that Beckham? By the way, I wonder if David Beckham was with his wife in Miami and they went to Christian Horner and had a conversation. I wonder if, wait, are they married to the same Spice Girl? I doubt that because it's not Utah. Just kidding, Dwayne Wade. But I wonder if they're friends. So all of a sudden you have all of this momentum in the United States because the teams and the drivers were willing to put forward personality. Now let's talk about the franchise with MLB or hard knocks with the NFL. What is the biggest problem with those? One, the players don't want to do it. Two, there's no character development. Three, there is nobody telling them that they have to do it. And four, they already have the money. We had a very hard time getting our players to do anything extra because they're on guaranteed deals. They play 162 games. And when they see cameras, they get shy. They're worried about getting canceled before cancel even started. And they just don't want to bother. In football, they play once a week. It would make sense. But in football, they're guarding secrets as though it's the formula for solving world peace in the Middle East without having to call Kushner. So they don't want to give out anything. As a matter of fact, they're hiding things. They're recreating things, trying to make drama. Drive to survive creates drama. Some drivers get upset. Max Verstappen says, I don't want to participate. Lewis Hamilton says, I won't, then I will. But then you've got Christian Horner, who is an absolute media lover. So he does, and he moves the story forward. What's the purpose of these shows? To move a story forward, to gain relatability, engagement, because that leads to money. And F1 said, let's go to the US. It's untapped. So American sports are already here and they're unwilling to tap into the US even more because they don't have the cooperation of their players. And so they said, how about Europe? Baseball for so long said, how about Asia? We had Ichiro, we had Dice K, we had Hideki Matsui. Let's do some Asian stuff, some Japanese. Let's go on a tour of Japan. Let's open the season in Japan. It's Bupkis. They have Otani right now. They have Shohei Otani, who, by the way, hit two home runs last night. The Angels are in first place. He's doing great. One of the best in baseball, pitching and hitting in theory. Try to defend his MVP. But what has that done for baseball as a whole, as a sport? Increased revenue from Japanese sponsors. Well, we had Ichiro. We had Sato. 
Sato came in for a couple hundred grand. We got to go to Japan. We did a few few appearances. Stop moving the ball. A big broadcast deal from Japan. It's nice. It's peanuts compared to what Netflix pays F1. It's peanuts compared to what F1 makes by expanding into the U.S. So the football teams that go to London, NFL that goes to London, it's like a loss leader. So they're saying, but if we put a franchise in there, that may be the key. That will be brand affinity, team affinity, loyalty, engagement. I've got a surprise for you, NFL, and for you, MLB. NGTH. It's not going to happen. And the reason it's not going to happen is that a league will do it, and then it's not going to work. And it's not going to work assuming that you're using measurements that leagues do use just behind closed doors when they look at overall industry revenue, when they look at the health of an individual team and how much that team puts into the shared revenue pot. That's how they gauge. Value of the asset, that's how they gauge. So you'll have someone wealthy offer to bring a team to London. There'll be a huge expansion fee, and that will be split amongst the remaining 32 owners in football or the 30 owners in baseball. And everyone will be excited. There'll be ribbon cuttings. There'll be all sorts of engagements and activations. You'll have the commissioner go over there. There'll be huge parties. You'll have people from the royal family. You'll have all the celebrities in London. Everything will be great. And then it'll be game 42. That's the reality. That's what would happen if the Jaguars went to London full-time. That'd be super exciting until game four. The reason why it works right now in the NFL is that the people in Europe, the people in London, they're rooting for an event, not a team. Now, they'll come with their Jaguars jerseys or the Packers jerseys or their Giants jerseys. They'll be all excited because they are in a small segment of people who are expats or people who have this love of U.S. sports. But that's not enough of a revenue driver. So, which will be the first league to expand to Europe? It's not going to be MLB. It's not going to be the NBA. It will be the NFL. More than one league will expand to Europe. They're going to look at Germany. They're going to look at Paris. They're going to look at London. They're going to try to figure out where they can get the most money, where the best deal is. And they're going to be creating extra problems for themselves. Why? Because when you're not looking, when they expand to Europe, there will be changes in the CBA. The changes in the CBA will be very costly to owners because players are going to require tax equalization. They're going to require a whole different set of housing allowances because nobody's moving in the offseason to London. So it is going to require an entirely different negotiation. Visiting players who go to London are going to want more. Home team players who are playing in London are going to want a lot more. And the juice is not going to be worth the squeeze. But that doesn't mean they're not going to try it. The NBA took a bridge too far yesterday. They announced a deal with the UAE. Now that's just a toe-in-the-water deal, right? We're not going to play games that count because that's so far away to go to Abu Dhabi, but... We're going to bring the Bucks there. We're going to play some preseason games. We had a big announcement. Everyone's excited. When are you all going to realize they're just taking money from you? They're not lowering ticket prices by increasing money, right? By increasing their revenue. They're just having a Lions P 
keen on their territory contest. All these leagues are doing the same thing. Ooh, there's a market no one's ever been to. Let's do it. Oh, we can do it. Let's get a player who was born there. Let's put an academy in there. Let's get him to the big leagues. Let's get him to the major leagues or NFL. Let's get him to play like Yao Ming did. And then all of a sudden, we're going to own that market. Okay. Keep trying. I wonder if basketball cares about what's going on. United Arab Emirates. Nah, probably not. Okay. Today's May 10th. If you're a fan of a team in Major League Baseball, are you panicked yet? If your team isn't doing well? My friend, Will Middlebrooks, are you okay? Do you need mouth-to-mouth resuscitation? Little defibs, heart paddles? Or are you still telling all of your fans and your hundreds of thousands and millions of fans and followers that everything's fine, we're going to start hitting soon, it's good, it's not great, got time. What about people in Los Angeles with the Angels? Won another game last night with Thor, sitting in first place in their division. You're saying the opposite, right? You're saying, hey, it's not early anymore. This is no longer just a fast start. This is an indicator of what this team is going to be. Pay attention to quotes that are said about your own team now. It's fascinating. We used to talk to our PR people right around this time, middle of May, and we'd look to see where our team was, and then we'd craft a message depending on where the team was, because during the offseason, you're selling hope. In the beginning of the season, you're either selling slow start, fast start. Then toward the middle of the season, you're either selling it's going gonna, it's gonna to start or this is going to stay. And so you look at your team and you decide where in the fence you're going to be, what message you want to get out there. So if there's a team that was supposed to be bad that's doing great and they're a surprise team, you are actually taking from a sum of money, which we would budget. We would actually have a budget item, which was, people call it variable, but I call it fixed because in my mind that money was going to be spent no matter what. But the budget line item was for in-season increases in advertising and marketing in order to take advantage of a surprise situation. Now, I call it variable because if the team stinks and attendance is bad, we're going to lower our advertising spend. We're going to trade players, lower payroll, because our revenue will be lower than anticipated because our walk-ups and advanced sales will be lower. Season ticket sales or season ticket sales, that's your revenue no matter how bad your team stinks. But if you're surprised on the upside, then you're getting more walk-ups, you're getting more groups, you're getting more attention, you're getting more minutes in local media, M-I-L-M. Minutes in local media, doesn't. it used to be just how much of the sports cast you were on, but now you monitor how much of the local radio stations, how much national attention you're getting. So moments in local media, to me, when it's a national radio show, but they're talking about the Marlins. That to me was always in my moments and minutes in, in local media, I should say. And the reason that's important is that is talking about momentum. Of course, when it's negative, that would be in a different bucket. But if you're surprised on the upside, so you say, hey, we're going to put some money into this team. We're going to look to add at the deadline and we're going to try to even build on the momentum we have. So pay attention. It's pretty funny this time of year because all the executives are pretty much meeting right now, and they're pretty much deciding where they stand. So if you're in Detroit, there was an article yesterday about Miguel Cabrera. A couple days ago, Miguel Cabrera got his 3,000th hit, his 600th double. I thought before the season that the Tigers had some surprise upside. 
that their rebuild may be done, that there was a chance that Javi Baez would not bring him right into the toilet. There was a chance Eduardo Rodriguez would be a good signing. There was a chance that Cabrera could find a fountain of youth at the age of 79. I'm just kidding, Miguel. I know you're not that old. They had great young rookies, just a, a number one manager in A.J. Hinch. Meanwhile, the Tigers find themselves almost as bad as the Reds. And you're looking after 25, 28, 39, 29, 69 games. And if you are the GM of the Tigers, Al Avila, you're saying, all right, I got to be real now, right? I'm going to go to Illich and I'm going to say, this isn't it. Because the best GMs are willing to tell their presidents and owners the truth. The worst scummy GMs are those who continue to sell the lie to the owner and the president because they want to hear it. They want to hear the baseball people say, listen, the the underlying numbers here, you have no idea. Our batting average of balls in play is so below where it's going to be. There's going to be regression to the mean. Look at our run differential. They give you the biggest load of crap because they don't want to be responsible to trade players. And they want to keep the clubhouse happy. They want to keep the chance of winning because you're not even close to the dog days of summer. But the best GMs will go to the president and say, we may have gotten this one wrong. Here's what we're going to do. It's what we did in the middle of 2012. Not popular, but necessary. So the Tigers are having a problem. How about winning the offseason the way we did in 2012? Who do you have who won the offseason this year? Just off the top of your head. Wouldn't you say the Texas Rangers? We are the Texas Rangers. Texas Rangers. We're signing Seager to play short and also Simeon to play second, who could play short, and we're going to give him a half a billion dollars. They stink. What kind of team would sign so many players to win the offseason and then stink? Who would ever do that? Chris Young left the commissioner's office for this? John Daniels. Huh. What's he saying? Marcus Simeon is so bad this year. Do you know how many home runs he has? If you just want to pay attention, Coco was going over this when we were talking about our top four disappointing teams. Marcus Simeon has the same number of home runs that you do. That's not very many. Corey Seager, he's fine if batting 231 is fine to you. The Rangers will not win 81 games this year. And then what? Do they build on this or do they abandon? Well, I'll give you some words of advice if you want. What about Boston? Nah, Will, I'm not going to do it. Hey, Coca, will you uh, just clip this little bit for Will and send it to him? We're just going to do a side like 30 seconds because Will Middlebrooks was so excited. He's doing pre and post game for Nesson. And when they signed Story, there was just this level of, we've got Alex Cora, we've got Devers, we've got Bogarts. Even though we didn't sign, we're going to be great. And we've got Avaldi and yada, blada, yada. All right, ready? Just do a, a side segment. Here it is. And I'll count myself in. Four, six, nine. Hey, Will, it's David from Nothing Personal. 
and I wanted to talk to you and all the other Boston Red Sox fans out there. I wanted to tell you that I'm so very sorry that Trevor Story is batting below the Mendoza line. I understand that you wish that he would have more than zero home runs. I know that you're looking up at Tampa and you're saying, ooh, we got you. And then you're looking up at the Yankees and saying, wow, we have no chance to catch you. And wait a minute, Baltimore? Oh my God. We'll keep going to Tampa, keep going to Baltimore, keep going to New York, keep going to Toronto, keep the dream alive. Just say to yourself, win one series at a time. Go one over 500 each week. That's not hard. Four and three or four and two. One series, one week at a time, and then come August, you'll be right in there ready for that expanded playoffs. You can do it, Will. Meanwhile, don't ever let the fans know that at the end of the day, you don't believe it. Because when you're doing pre and post game, you have to be like this. You have to be buttoned up. You have to sit up straight and you have to be positive because your bosses are watching when they're not in Liverpool. Okay, will you send that to Will? Okay, don't send this part to Will. Ready? Two, six, nine. The Red Sox suck. Okay, what about on the upside? Just so you don't think we're being all negative. Do you know if you looked at the four division leaders, Dodgers, Angels, two LA teams, Mets, Yankees, two New York teams, and then the Brujahas. I'm still upset about yesterday's game. How hard is it to be Giannis? Can we just do a side basketball note? Do you watch the Bucks play? The Bucks have Giannis. They don't have Chris Middleton. I don't want to be rude to the other players on the team, but that's not a championship team. He doesn't have, he doesn't even have, it's like Ewing had Starks. He had Oakley, had Derek Harper. He had some bit of talent surrounding him. I could say Connaughton can shoot from time to time. Drew Holiday can put up 30 shots and make 20 points. Grayson Allen, fine, whatever, can hit a few shots. Brooke Lopez, good. You can tip in off a missed free throw. Get a dunk, get an alley-oop. Good. Portis, fun to watch. But at the end of the day, Giannis has to carry the entire load. Did you see how exhausted he was? He was lying down on the court in the fourth quarter. The coach had to take him out for a minute because he was not able to get up. He had the thing around his neck, that buzzer that goes to like Central Station. I never understood that. There was a commercial back in the day. What is it? I've fallen and I can't get up. Life alert. Giannis needed life alert during the game. Marcus Smart tried to get him up, couldn't, just waved him off. Bucks lost to the Celtics because the Celtics finally hit shots. But I'm sad about that game. But anyway, so Milwaukee's in first place, as predicted. And I was just thinking about what these first place teams are doing. Minnesota is a huge surprise team in a division where the White Sox have been hurt. The Twins put together that rotation toward the end of the offseason, and they're winning games. Buxton's healthy, surprise, surprise. So Minnesota is an example where if you're there, they're saying, hey, it's not early. The White Sox, if you're there, they're saying, hey, we're injured. We're going to be okay. Yes, Hendricks gave up a grand slam. Yes, we lost last night to the Guardians in a terrible 11-inning loss. But don't worry. We're going to catch Minnesota over the course of 162. Eh. We'll see. Let me give you a wait to see. Wait to see is when I tell you something's going to happen. Like... On Friday, when I said Max Verstappen was going to win the Miami Grand Prix, wait to see. And then he did, even from the three-hole. 
which was also a pick of the day. But we revisit our weight to sees. We keep track of them. Coca has a really cool spreadsheet with colors on it, like purple if it's open and then red if it's closed. Or I don't remember what the colors are because I never look at it because Coca keeps track of it. And then he keeps track of our word of the day and keeps track of the movie we're reviewing every day. Well, write this down, Coca. I'm just kidding. He already writes it down because it's in the document that we go over before the show every day. Wait to see. The Dodgers, Angels, Yankees, and Mets will not all win their divisions. It's not going to be a sweep for the East and West Coast. Right now it is on May 10th, 2022, but it will not be a sweep. Book it. Before we go to break, I want to make a correction. Let me just, you can also take this. This is twice during the same show. You can do a separate clip. Hey, Jeff, congratulations. Couldn't be more proud and more honored to be here as part of the Columbia Broadcasting System. Hey, Port, cut this separately. Hey, Port, thank you so much for the opportunity for me and Coca to bring nothing personal to this audience every day. We appreciate you. And then this one last separate thing. Yesterday, we were told by someone that the name of our company is not Central Broadcasting System. How we said that is beyond us. Of course, it's Columbia Record Company System. When we come back, we're going to review a series that I promised you would review. It's called Bad Vegan. And then we're going to talk a little bit about a subject that means something to me. So stick around. It's a small little gauntlet of commercials, all for the benefit of the aforementioned Jeff Port, etc. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think they'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers... Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON, only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Coco, you upset? You all right? It's fine. What are they going to do? Fire us? You're going to be good. We're good. I mean, we've got all these other platforms who want us, so don't worry. No, I know. We're, we haven't finished negotiations, but we're in the middle of it. I know. Relax. Stop. You're in my ear. We're in the middle of a show. Yes, we are. Yes, we're back. Thank you for rating, reviewing, following, for all the things that you do to 
keep nothing personal growing to the point where we can say central broadcasting system. <laughs> so I watched a series. Do you ever feel on your face that you're getting a zit? Like it's, you feel like it's underground and it may be coming up and you get itchy after you shave if you're a man or if you're a woman, I don't know, but it just may feel it. But you don't feel the bump. You look in the mirror, you don't see any blotch. You put a little makeup on, J-I-C. You put medicine on like toothpaste to see if you can make it go away faster. Or you go to the aisle at Walgreens or Dwayne Reed or wherever you go or CVS and you see all the different ways that you can take care of blemishes. I've got this crazy feeling on the left lower side of my chin. Can you see it, Coca? Is it there? I'm 54 freaking years old. Is that possible? Mm. But I, I sort of wipe it off a lot during the show like this. Okay. Bad vegan. Sarma and her dog, Leon. Her dog's a pit bull. Cute dog if you like dogs. And I know people like dogs. There are people who love their dogs. I'm in. If you love your dog, the dog's part of your family. I understand. To me, you are just adding another future grieving moment to your life. I'm trying to have fewer grieving moments, not more. I did have a dog when I was young. Didn't really like it. I mean, I think I did. Do you know that the dog I had when I was young, his name was Spartacus? Detour story here. My uncle, I lived in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Did I ever tell you this story, Coca? My uncle had a dog. He was a black lab named Spartacus. And my uncle said to his brother, my father, and my mother, who were married at the time, said, hey, will you watch my dog? I'm going to India. I'll be back in two weeks. And my father, my father and mother, there were me and my sister, my recently deceased sister, who was three years older than I am and now, sadly, is only two years older than I am. So we were in this house, and then this dog appeared named Spartacus. And then two weeks came, and there was no Uncle Max. And then two months, and then two years. The guy went to India and came back three years later and said, can I get my dog back? And they were like, no, it's our dog now. Where have you been? Yeah, but then they got divorced, and that was the end of Spartacus. But that doesn't matter. So people love their dogs. I'm in. Sarma loves her dog, Leon. Sarma is a chef. Sarma owns a restaurant. It's a vegan restaurant that was very popular in New York City. I think it was called Pure Food and Wine. Bad Vegan is a documentary that is sort of like Tinder Swindler, except it's more about a woman who gets taken in by a man, who marries the man, and then the man starts asking for money and asking for control. The woman gives the man money, gives the man control, and then the woman says, uh-oh, I have no more money. And then the workers who work for the woman say, excuse me, where's our money? And then the woman says, I don't know, ask my guy. And he says, huh? Ask your mom for more money. And they say, what? Let's get in a car and drive like Rick Ocasek and Paulina Poriskova. Let's drive all the way. Let's go to Vegas. Let's gamble. Let's order Domino's. Take the dog. Don't worry. Let's go to Europe. It'll be fun. I've got a little nugget for Sarma and for Leon. Immortality does not exist. We are all going to die. It's not a matter of if 
It's a matter of when. So if there's a person who comes into your life and says, I promise you that your dog is not going to die if you wire me $30,000, I would only suggest there's a decent chance you're being scammed. If something is too good to be true, it is. How many times do we have to say that? All the people out there who have these great ideas, oh, I'm gonna get rich quick, let me show you my business plan. People send this to me all the time, Coca. They come up with business ideas, and here's the revenue projection. Zero in month one, and by month four, $10 million. How? Like, what's your plan? So the restaurant business is a tough one, as you know. And then when you lose money because you're stealing money, then you have to get more money to pay off the people who gave you the money in the first place. And then you don't have the money to give the people who gave you the money in the last place. That's called, hello, Arthur Fonzarelli. You've now had a Ponzarelli scheme. So here's a little spoiler alert. It doesn't end well for Sarma. So Sarma then said, that wasn't fair. That wasn't a documentary. That wasn't true. That's making me look way worse. I was so tired during my interviews. And you know what? I believe her. I feel sorry for Sarma because she actually thought that there was a documentary that would help clear her name. That would help explain to her workers why she did what she did. Why the decisions were made the way they were that cost people money. Trust but it really was done for dramatic purposes to make people watch and watch we did. So now Sarma's gonna write a book and it's gonna be a set me free kind of book. It's gonna be the type of book that says, here's what really happened. Even though I said something else happened, that all got taken out of context. So I'm gonna give you full context. There's nothing like context coming from people. How about all the Trump cabinet people who are now writing books? I'm going to give you context as to what was happening in the White House because we couldn't really tell you what was happening as it was happening. That's really what Sarma's doing with her book, and I'm in. So my message to you is keep going, but next time, please stop wiring money. And I'm sorry in advance about what's going to happen to Leon because it's going to happen. Nothing personal pick of the day. We did a whole Megillah yesterday. Is that two days in a row of Megillah? Cut that out. Four, six, nine. We did a whole angle on the San Diego Padres yesterday. Having done a walk-off victory over the Miami Marlins two days ago, then playing the Cubs and explaining that if you're going to be good in the NL West, that's a game you have to win. Even though Hendricks was going for the Cubs, my view was slam dunk. The Padres have had offensive struggles. They were being shut out two games in a row by the Marlins until Alfaro's walk-off three-run home run. And they went back to the donut yesterday. Donut. Are you worried yet? You better be, AJ. You have no offense. It's offensive how offensive your offense is. It's offensive how offensive your offense is. 59 and 45, the Padres did the opposite of what I thought they would do and got crushed by the Cubs. All right, back to the NBA. So two dogs covered last night. The two dogs were the Celtics because they won the game and they were not favored. 
And then you had the Warriors, who won the game but were favored by 10 and won by 3 over the Morantless Grizzlies, which was an easy pick of the day to take the Grizzlies because they were 20-5 and five without John Morant. And why would they be getting 10 points? They're way too good for that. They could have won, should have won that game for those of you who stayed up until the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, I go walking in my sleep. Have you ever watched a half of basketball on Ambien? And then not knowing who's winning? Hmm. So I'm going to say that two dogs went yesterday. I'm going to go two dogs again today. Two separate picks. Sixers plus three. Mavericks plus six. Critical game five. Series tied at two. The view is the home game's got this. Miami's got this over the Sixers. No problem. Well, Miami has not beaten the Sixers with Embiid yet. They've only beaten them without Embiid. Mavericks plus six over the Suns. Chris Paul's not distracted anymore. It's home cooking. The Mavericks are going to get booed. Mark Cuban's going to be on the bench. No one's going to put his hands on Mark Cuban. I'll tell you that right now. But six points, too many. So we're taking the Sixers plus three and the Mavericks plus six. Okay. Last thing today. Something came to my attention a week ago, and I've been trying to work it into the show every single day. And I am not waiting another minute. As parents, for those of you who are parents or practicing to be parents, although this is not about practicing, this is about actually when you are parents. And frankly, given the state of the world right now and where the politics are, it would appear that more people are going to be parents than ever before, whether they want to be or not. One of the hardest things is to allow your children to be children and allow your children to look different, feel different, act differently than you did. Some parents want to live through their children. Some parents don't want to see their children. Some parents don't want to understand that children can be different than they are. And yet other parents force children into events, activities, moments that they have no business doing. The reason I'm worked up is a story came out about a family doing an activity that I love, doing an activity that has meant something to me for over 25 years. You know I love running marathons. I've run 25 of them. A six-year-old completed a marathon about a week back. And it became a huge story. I am certainly not going to go so far as to say it's child abuse. I will say it's child endangerment. I will say it's parental stupidity. And I will ask how a race director, and I know one race director who under no circumstance would allow a six-year-old to run a marathon. Six-year-olds can't run marathons. The reason six-year-olds can't run marathons is the same reason why nine-year-olds should not be allowing their undeveloped brains to be sucked into social media all day, every day. It's the reason why we've got mental health issues that are off the charts for teenagers right now, because it's starting everything earlier and earlier, and the human brain and the human body mentally and physically is not able to understand what is being programmed into it. 
think about a computer. Let's pretend that your life is a computer and you spend the first several years having your computer, right? There's a hard drive and then you put apps on it and the apps sort of help you figure out what you're going to do in certain, certain circumstances. But the hard drive is really the driver of your brain and the driver of the apps because if you have no service or you have a terrible hard drive with no memory, then it's not going to be able to run the programs that have been implanted into your brain. I'm not talking like vaccine chip implants. I'm talking about experiences. What children do is they watch, they learn, they pay attention, they absorb like a sponge, and that then informs what they're going to do later in life. And it's the same physically as it is mentally. The six-year-old body cannot handle 26.2 miles. The excuse by the parents is that the six-year-old never complained. The six-year-old was crying quite a bit, but we offered the six-year-old an opportunity to stop, and the six-year-old said no. Now, we had to bribe him with Pringles, but he kept going. And then we finished as a family to prove that we are Captain Fantastic. It's shameful. It's as shameful as you little league parents thinking that your kid is going to be the next Mike Trout. It's as shameful as you parents thinking that your daughter is going to be the next Barishnikov. And you're right, I couldn't think of a female ballerina's name. So you make them do ballet until their toes fall off, until they don't get their periods till they're 17. They've got eating disorders, totally screwed up. Why? Makes you feel good? Makes you look good? Good cocktail party stories? We all have responsibilities in our life, right? I can't. If you can't figure out what is good for your child and what's not, then just get help because there are people who can. And if you actually don't care about what happens to your child, then maybe you shouldn't be having children in the first place. Thanks for being with us. It's just business, sometimes. This is nothing personal. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.